I said, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, for sure. See, now I want to just talk about other voting stuff, because I have other thoughts. Like asset? Not a... Pardon? Oh, I was going to say asset. Asset voting. No, not asset. Well, I don't know how many more minutes you guys have, but if you have a couple more. Yeah, I'm I was fine. just wondering. Yeah, you can say it. Um, I was trying to figure out here locally. So, so we have a, so when it comes to our voting infrastructure, the entire state of North Dakota uses the same stuff. And which is wonderful from a standardization and ease of, you know, you know, moving voting machines around perspective. And then we, we have paper ballots here. They're counted by electronically, of course, but we have paper ballots. Um, and there's this fight basically between the legislature, the counties, and there's some politics involved with trying to get funding for new machines. But there's no guarantee that we're going to get new stuff um, soon. So I, I kept trying to think, well, you know, if is there a way that we can do some sort of proportional result um, without having necessarily a proportional method when it comes to tallying the votes? I was trying to think of like, is there a way to do it to have some, you know, some type of districting or something like one of the big bits of pushback that we did receive was that uh, people would say, well, we should just carve Fargo up into a whole bunch of districts. And I would generally push back against that and say that, well, where the lines get drawn becomes a gerrymandering problem. Um, And also knowing in the back of my mind that proportional systems require us to elect a lot of people. And generally, you do that by combining existing districts and electing more people from that whole field. I was thinking, like, is there a system out there that kind of does proportional representation that's made out of overlapping districts or something like that? I could do it. I'm not aware of any such. Um, part of the part of the problem, and I end up with. Um, I've been having a lot of back and forth with uh, Clay Shentrup about this particular point. Uh, Clay, yeah. Yeah, great guy. Um, yeah, he is. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I'm concerned with about this is that you need to be able to know what a particular voter, what their entire opinion is. So if you cannot... If, if you can't do that, you, you really run the risk of getting highly disproportionate results if you can't say this ballot, this ballot or these groups of ballots say A and C, and these groups of ballots say C and F or what have you. And I'm not certain, though, I, and I understand your reluctance to uh, district to get a more proportional result um, because if nothing else you you can end up with uh, groups being split group, groups that have a co- cohesive interest that are split just through sheer luck even if you yeah. aren't doing it intentionally but uh, again plus I'll often reject the idea that just because you live in a certain area means that you believe a certain thing like that's another right right they have this idea that oh i live on the same block as you so i have the exact same politics as you which is clearly bull whenever you look at the signs that go up during election season (laughs) one of the things the 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 fear of gerrymandering um if you if you do have the technological limitations that 
your state seems to. I think yeah. the fear of gerrymandering is is legitimate, and there's a perfectly reasonable reason that everyone has a fear of gerrymandering. But as we established earlier, approval voting kind of neuters the gerrymander. So yeah, you're actually making me feel a lot better about it than I was before this call. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I've been I've been meaning to in my you know copious free time, um, <laughs> I've been meaning to put together a few presentations and one of the ones is to take the um the the washington post's classic this is how gerrymandering works infographic yeah and run through okay how would this work under various different voting systems because i was just playing around with it and i realized that it you end up with a slightly with the the feelings of the assuming there are enough candidates of course you end up with a um a legislature a a representative body that reflects the representative the, the constituents of that representative body basically any way you slice it so Again, it relies on having a number of quality candidates, but if you do have a number, if you don't have a number of quality candidates, you're going to have a problem anyways. But if you do have a number of quality candidates, score voting, approval voting, end up getting you a pretty representative result, even if you don't have 40% from or hardcore team A, 60% hardcore team B you end up with a representative body that is about 40% team A, 60% team B. Yeah. I'm with you. Oh, so maybe that is better than hmm. I mean, okay. don't get me wrong. I, I am uh, very interested in multi-seat methods. I've been working with, um, I've been talking with, uh, what's, his, what's his real name? Uh, Jameson. Jameson Quinn, I've been talking. With, oh God! Oh man! I've yeah. been talking with Parker Friedland um, on ideas on how to get good representative results, proportional results with with uh, cardinal ballots, and and I would love to see that. But I'm having figured out what I seem to have about cardinal methods and proportionality and the functional inability to gerrymander, I'm a lot less concerned about proportional representation than I used to be. Okay. So, there was, um, I remember the reason I brought up overlapping districts as part of this was part of my research into it. I was, I discovered um, a proposal called election district voting, which uh, basically, um, I don't know, it's a little hard for me to describe, I think, but yeah, you should look it up. Election districts voting. I think you can go to that.com and you can kind of see how they propose it. But basically you have people who cr run across larger districts and then the district is subdivided and then subdivided again. And then you're voting for people from your district plus the district that's double the size of yours plus the one that's four times the size of yours. And there's kind of this proportional result that comes out of it. And I was trying to figure out, well, you know, that'll also be a, a first time in history if that were to be used, but it looks like it provides a 
proportional result. And I was thinking, I wonder if there's a way to do this with the constraints that our current voting equipment gives us. I, among other things. It, it's an interesting it's one. Definitely yeah. an interesting thing. I'd definitely have to look into that. Um, yeah. You're right. It is, it's, in fact, electiondistrictsvoting.com. Districts with. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you should totally look at it and just tell me what you think later because it's, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I thankfully we're counted, we're targeting smaller towns currently. Um, Olympia, for all that it's the state capital, is a remarkably small town, um, at least for our state. Um, and my hometown is also, I think we've got 35,000 people. Awesome. Yeah, so I've only got, I, I know all of the city councilmen members. I, we only have seven, seven to 10,000 people voting regularly. So we're specifically targeting smaller towns, smaller cities, because oh. that makes it doable. And you can do the door-to-door yeah. Pound pound cement thing. Yeah. How many signatures are you likely to need in Olympia? I don't know. Clay's actually in charge of that. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Clay was uh, one of the co-founders of Counted, along with me and a couple of people in, uh, in Kirkland. Um, and he's he's been very helpful. We've been hammering out. I, I didn't actually... We didn't actually work through the, um, the the city attorney in Olympia was not as uh, helpful as the city oh. attorney that in Fargo. Um, Sorry. It, it, it is what it is. And having a background in linguistics and having taken courses in the law and language, I actually have a pretty decent, I'm about as close to being a lawyer as you can be without, you know, having taken, having uh, gone to law school and taken the bar. Um, so we, we have decent language. I work with bylaws committees in my local party all the time. So we have it pretty well solid. Um, the only trouble is that it's an hour drive down to Olympia for me. So I need to find a correction, make time to go down and help collect signatures. But I don't know precisely how many. Um, but we're specifically, that's part of the reason that I'm trying to go through the city council in my hometown, because if we can, mm -hmm. if we can forego the effort of collecting the signatures and spend all of that, all of those volunteer hours on education and say, Hey, you already use this. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. the school district valedictorian, that's, that's score voting. Absolutely. So, no. Oh, and, and you say that you're going to go to Olympia. Keep in mind, you might be able to go there and walk with someone collecting signatures, but I highly doubt that you'll be able to collect signatures yourself, uh, given you don't live in that jurisdiction. Uh, so the that. state of Washington is a lot more liberal than, um, really? than it seems like. We, we've actually, uh, on the other side of the coin, um, uh, thanks to a 1970s initiative, I think it was, uh, the state of Washington has something called the Public Disclosures Commission, which means that anyone who is doing anything politically has to record with the state um, 
depending on how much money you're expecting to bring in either week, either quarterly or weekly, um, what donations you get both in kind and financial it's, it's hairy, but uh, North Dakota is the wild west on that front. It's disgustingly bad. I mean, it makes my job easier for like, reporting things, but it's, oof, it's rough. Yeah. So it's, Okay. It's very interesting. It, it actually kind of goes back to the, um, what is it, approval voting for U.S.'s question. Can this be done in my hometown? I have no idea. The correct answer for that one is, I don't know. Ask your city attorney. They might, they're going to have a better idea. Well, we... <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck on that. Oh, another thing. I just remember mm-hmm. another thing. I'm so sorry. Um, so um, you described approval voting earlier in the call as uh vote for one or more candidates correct and absolutely correct um we there was a polling that was done Mm -hmm. on that and uh we found that for example if we have 10 people running if we say vote for one or more versus vote for 10 or fewer um that number that goes out there bounds the number of people that they will vote for so if you throw the number one out there they're likely to vote for fewer and if you say 10 or fewer, they're more vote, likely to vote for more candidates. So um, that's why... Yeah, the psychology of that is interesting. Of course, obviously, it would be that way. Yeah, so our ballot language, um, because we wanted to make sure that um, we didn't have to worry about how like, write-ins would affect the number. Um, so if we have 10 people running and if it's for two seats, they'd have two write-in slots automatically on the ballot. We didn't want it to say 12 or fewer or, you know, and that were 10 or fewer and then like cause problems there or something like that. Uh, we said all the candidates you approve of. And we found that all seemed to do far better than binding it with like a one on the bottom. And not it didn't do as well for getting people to vote for multiples as, you know, explicitly stating that number but it did way better than the one did. So that's why we want those results. That's, that's actually very, Something help, very helpful. Thank you. Uh, and I kind of wonder how much that may have, uh, may influence the, uh, that particular organization's consistent uh, messaging about um, approval voting devolves to bullet voting. I wonder how much this, that psychological phenomenon lends itself towards that. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, and like even CES, like they're the ones who uh, did this study, this polling. And um, I still hear Aaron frequently describe his vote for one candidate or more all the time. And I keep thinking to myself, I don't know if you want to keep describing it that way. I think we should alter the language a little bit, you know, try to open it up a little bit more because otherwise we're just getting this, you know, we're continuing to propagate this thing that we've seen statistically isn't going to help. And that's, and yeah, sorry, you had another point. Um, I did though. The, um, it's slightly unrelated though. So sorry. I talked. That is one of the, that is one of the, again, one of the advantages. I mean, I totally understand why I was originally going to ask you why you didn't, uh, why you push for approval rather than score, but, um, you answered that very, very well with the whole technological limitations thing. But one of the advantages to score is being able is being able to say, score each. Yeah, score each. I love that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Yeah, like we have this. The way our ballots are written, they're always like, you no, know, vote for two names, you know, or up to two names, 
They don't even say candidates. It says names all the time. So ours just switched to vote for all the names you approve of. Yeah. And all will be written in uppercase. So so we had to specify. So our change to the articles of the city of Fargo, we had a methodology section which described what approval voting was in a general enough way that it could apply to single and multi-winner elections without being difficult like it's a two-sentence explanation um and then ballot instructions we explicitly do in a section and then we had to also have a section for reporting of results because of a wonderful problem with how the secretary of state's office reports things in that for single winner elections they give you the you know basically they always report number of ovals shaded in for candidate out of total ovals shaded in in race um which means for single winner elections that's generally okay but for multi-winner elections our results the percentages that the secretary of state's office reports are perpetually and always skewed downward hard um because and you can imagine why i'm sure yeah um, i like think that's that might have got cut out a little bit yeah i was i was cut i was losing you a little bit too but you were, oh, you were saying that the um, reporting is required to be percentage of votes, a percentage of that oval filled out as a function of all of the ovals filled out? That's how the Secretary of State's office currently reports this. So that means that when percentages are reported, they're, they're like skewed downward. Like you'll say someone won with 16% of the vote when we're in reality, they had, you know, 30% of the voters or what have you voting for them. So we had to explicitly add a section to ours that said for each candidate's result in each yeah, race, cutting out again. vote percentages. Oh, I'm so I sorry. Think what, <laughs> I think what you're saying is basically the vote percentage. You're trying to figure out a way around it. And you guys found out a way around it. To, yes. Yeah. So you're forcing have, the report differently. Yeah. You'd have to have the wording slightly different in order to, oh, okay, with with single mark that functionally translates to the same thing, but you would need to have you yeah. need to bound the denominator to the number of ballots rather than the number of filled in ovals. Correct. Yes, and it's a fight that we're having with Secretary of State's, State's office. Um, they don't want to change how they calculate it for multi-winner races in general. So, but we forced it with our initiative for our race, at least because the fear would be that our next election would happen. People would vote for more than two and then percentages would get even worse. And even as support was getting disingenuous better. People. Yeah. And then disingenuous people like uh, the city commissioner who was the biggest thorn on our side will say look percentages just went down it didn't even work and he knows better but it will you know people won't necessarily understand that so, so as you guys are like cutting oh. out with this I think this might be a good time to stop okay uh, it has been a really good night thanks for coming in I'm losing connection with both of you guys yeah okay okay have a good yeah. one. Thank you, guys. Thanks for time. Like I said again, yeah. this was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks. Have a good night. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.